2 Samuel chapter 16 is where we want to study tonight as we continue our study in the life of David. Boy, it's hard to forgive, isn't it? I suppose that one of the uh, hardest imperatives of the Christian life is to get, forgive somebody who has offended us. I agree with Swindoll when he said that it's a lot easier to sit on the judgment seat than it is to sit on the mercy seat. Most of us had rather sit on the judgment seat. And I have noticed one thing, that, that the little petty things that are done to, to us, that offend us, are much more difficult to forgive than the big things. You ever notice that? I mean, these little, silly, petty things that really don't, don't matter much, matter so much to us. They're the hardest things to forgive. An Indian survived a Bengal attack, and this is what he wrote. After the first rush that sent me sprawling, the tiger lay, ears flat, tail swishing from side to side, eyes glaring, watching for my next move. I ran. He cut me off. I dashed for a tree. He struck me down. Each time I was torn more terribly, yet the game lingered on to utter exhaustion and despair. I was bleeding. At last, beyond all care or hoping, I played dead. His hot breath seared my neck. His jaws clamped my arm as he dragged me into the brush and left me to cool. There is a tiger in each of us. There is a mean streak in every one of us. And when we take off the mask, we can be really brutal, can't we? I want you to make a list tonight of the people that you have not forgiven. Don't write it down because somebody might peer over your shoulder and see, your name, see their name there. But in your mind, I want you to make a list tonight of the people you have not forgiven. One of the things that I've tried to do in this study of David is not just to give you a history lesson of David or to, to help you trace the, the, the career of this man through a map somewhere. But what I've tried to do, what, what I've been interested in is to find the things that caused his failure and to avoid those and to emulate those things about him that were so wonderful and great. And this is one of them, his broad shoulders and his ability, his willingness to forgive when offended. Now three things, you can opt for three things. You have three options other than complete forgiveness. You might want to jot these down. There's, there's a place for it in the worksheet. One is what I call conditional forgiveness. It's if, you know, if this or that, I'll forgive. Or as soon as you, you know, fill in the blank. Or 
If you come back and make it right, I will forgive. Conditional forgiveness. Or there is partial, partial forgiveness. I forgive, I'll forgive, but. I'll forgive, but you'd better never do that again. I'll forgive, but don't expect me to forget. I forgive, but you get out of my life and stay out of my life. Partial forgiveness. Then there is delayed forgiveness. I'll forgive. Just give me time. I can't do it right now. One of these days, I'll be able to forgive. Just give me some time. It's called delayed forgiveness. Now, if you have your worksheet, I want to show you the alternative to forgiveness. It's in the little um, deal there. It has the steps down. And I want you to write in these because the alternative of forgiveness is a downward plunge. And on the very first line, I want you to write the word offense. There is first of all the offense. Then there is resentment. This is the downward plunge. You're offended. You resent it. There is hatred. There is a grudge. And then there is revenge. That's the downward plunge. Offense, resentment, hatred, grudge, and revenge. And it is amazing how much this goes on in the family of God. I want to show you the key tonight to forgiveness. The key tonight to forgiveness is to learn how to deal at the point of the offense. Is to learn how to deal at the level of the offense if you can deal with the matter, with the issue, at the level of the offense, it's a hundred times easier to forgive. But if you allow that plunge to go, to that, that step downward to begin, it's harder to forgive when you get to hatred than it is at the point of the offense. And the key to forgiveness is dealing with the issue at the point of the offense. Now I want us to find out where David is at this point in his life and our study. He's at the lowest ebb of his life. He's never been this low before. He, he, the only time that, he was, that there's anything approach, approaching this, this um, state that David is in now is when Saul was pursuing him all over the country. He's at the lowest ebb in his life. He is at the rock bottom. Several things have happened. He has committed a terrible sin and covered it up with murder. The prophet confronts him with his sin and he's aware of it and it's eating away at him. He sinned against God and against others. His baby dies. His daughter is raped. His son commits murder, kills his own half-brother. And his son pursues him, his own father, and dethrones him and runs him out of town. The last time we saw him, he comes to the last house in town and looks back to a city where he's been king for 38 years. This is the lowest time in his life. Can't find him any lower than this. 
I want you to understand that that's where David is when the offense occurs. And the offense is found in chapter 16, beginning of verse 5. Now I want to show you one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. When King David came to Baharim, behold, there came out from there a man of the family of the house of Saul, whose name was Shimei, the son of Gera. He came out cursing continually as he came. Wonderful guy. I mean, this is a, guy, this is a swell fellow. And he threw stones at David and at all the servants of King David. And all the people, all the mighty men were at his right hand and at his left. And thus Shimei said when he cursed, Get out, get out, you man of bloodshed and worthless fellow. The Lord has returned upon you all the bloodshed of the house of Saul in whose place you have reigned. And the Lord has given the kingdom into the hand of your son Absalom. That's a lie. I mean, there's three or four lies in that verse, and you can identify them. He's, and behold, you are taken in your own evil, for you are a man of bloodshed. Now, here is a guy who is absolutely at his lowest ebb. He's down, and here comes this fellow cursing him, chunking rocks at him, and laying on him this heavy guilt about stuff he has never, he's not been guilty of. I mean, has that... Everybody here has had that experience. When you, you know, you get down and, and here comes a guy that just, you know, it's kick, let's kick him while he's down day, you know. Open season on this guy and he works him over. Now, David has some counsel, rather direct counsel. Let me show you. And, Abish, and Abishai, the son of Zerurai, said to the king, why should this, you don't have to take that. Why should this dead dog curse my lord, the king? Let me go over now and cut off his head. Now, that's some of your direct counseling. We can take care of this guy. You're you going to let this guy do this to you? You don't have to take that sitting down or lying down. Um, before we get any further, this morning in my Sunday school class, we, we studied an interesting passage of Scripture, a verse of Scripture. I want to turn to, you to turn to it. It's in the book of Romans, chapter 12. Just kind of as an afterthought, I kind of, I kind of, uh, dog, uh, what do you call that when you put down, the, huh? Dog-eared this in. Thank you, Jim, my, my assistant. <laughs> Uh, this kind of dog-eared this in, uh, in, in the uh, 12th chapter of Romans, verse 17. Look here. It says, never pay back evil for evil to anyone. That takes care of everybody. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. Where did that come from? It came from Proverbs chapter 3, verse 4. Write that down in the margin. Look it up later. Now what Paul is talking about in the 12th chapter of Romans is how to live out the Christian life. And he's given 11 chapters on theology and doctrine. He comes to chapter 12 and he says, Now on the basis of what you believe, this is how you're to live. And one of the things, one of the components of living out the Christian life is that we are never to pay back evil for evil to anyone. 
And then he makes this, he clarifies that and amplifies it and explains it when he said that we're to respect what is right in the sight of all men. Now what he's talking about there is this, that everybody understands whether he practices it or not, even the unbeliever understands that the way God's people are to live is to return good for evil. Even the unbeliever knows that. That there is a moral imperative that when a man is offended, when he has been done, when, when evil has been done him, that he is to return good for that evil. Now the human response, the normal response, the natural response is to return evil for evil, the eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But the Christian response and the response of the man of God, everybody knows this, he said, is that when you have been treated with evil offense, the response is to return good for that. It's unbelievable, isn't it? Well, look at David's response. Back to 2 Samuel chapter 16. But the king said, what have I to do with you? you, know, you if you want to do some Bible study, look at how many times he says that. What have I got to do? With, I don't have to, you know, you're not my Lord. What have I to do with you, sons of Zeruiah? If he curses and if the Lord has told him, curse David, then who, who shall say, why have you done so? Look at verse 10. Perhaps the Lord will look on my affliction and return good to me instead of his cursing this day. It's unbelievable that he responded to the evil with good. Listen to me carefully. If you ever can come to that kind of, of response in life, that kind of lifestyle, you'll live with the joy of a clear conscience. Never got offended, never took it personally, wasn't insulted. Return good for evil. Dale Galloway has several good books. One of them is You Can Win Through Love. And in this book he gives an illustration of Nelson Rockefeller, senior, who, this oil baron who one day one of his employers made a two million dollar mistake. I couldn't stand but a couple of those. He, he made a two million dollar mistake and, and everybody in the company, they were afraid, you know, they were scared to death to even, you know, meet him in the hall. They thought this guy's got to be in the worst mood today in the history of mankind. But finally one guy got up enough nerve to go into his, into his office and he was sitting there at the desk and he said, you know what I've been doing? He said, I've been thinking about old Joe and that mistake he made. Oh, he said, you have? He said, yeah, I have. He said, you know what I'm doing? I'm writing down all the good things that he's done for this corporation. And he said, you know, he's made us more than, a, than $2 million. I think we ought to forgive him, don't you? That's a, that, that's a Christian response, you see. Now, I want you to look at the other side of the picture. I want you to turn over to the 19th chapter and we'll look, begin reading at verse 16. Now things have changed now. Thing, things have changed because Absalom, you know, he's dead. He's, he's been killed. 
And David is about to be restored to the throne again. Now get this picture now. He's no longer down, no longer counted out. He's about to be restored to the throne again in all the power that he possessed as a king. And things are looking up for David. And he's, they're, they're, getting at everything, they're getting everything ready to return this man to the kingdom. And begin at verse 16, it says, here's this guy again, Shimei. Now, things are a little different now. He's cussed out, he's cursed out David when David was down and on the run, but now David is a king again. Now look at what happens. Then Shimei, the son of Gera, the Benjamite, who was from Behurim, Bahurim, hurried, I can imagine, he ran, came down with the men of Judah to meet King David. And there were a thousand men of Benjamin with him, with Ziba, the servant of the house of Saul, and fifteen sons, and etc. Verse 19. So he said to the king, Let not my Lord consider me guilty. He's begging for his life. Nor remember what your servant did wrong on that day when my Lord the King came out from Jerusalem so that the King should take it to heart. I mean, don't take it personally now, please. You know, he's saying, forget what I did that day when I met you there. And he's begging for his life. But Abishai, the son of Zerah, answered and said, Should not Shem, there it is again, should he not be put to death for this because he cursed the Lord's anointed? Now things are different now. Anybody feel like they might be in the shoes of Shimei? Look at verse 21. Verse 22. What have I to do with you, O sons of Zerah, that you should this day be an adversary to me? Should any man be put to death in Israel today? For do I not know that I am king over Israel today? And the king said to Shimei, You shall not die. Thus the king swore to him. He, for, he forgave him. Now, why was David able to handle this like this? Let me suggest three, three reasons why he could. In the first place, because his vertical focus never got out of sync. His vertical focus never got out of sync. We live on such a, with such a horizontal focus, always so sensitive to what people are, how people are responding to us and what they're saying about us and how they're treating us. And we live on this vertical focus, with this vertical focus. Not David. His, I meant this horizontal focus. His vertical focus never got out of sync. He just kept his eyes on the Lord. He had his focus on the Lord rather than the response of men to him. Secondly, he was very much aware of his own forgiveness. You see, this man has just committed adultery. He's just been responsible for a man's death and some of his men. He is, he is the one who started this process of events, this ripple effect. 
that caused this great tragedy to occur in his own household. And he felt responsible, and to some degree was, responsible for the death of his own son he loved dearly. And he has been forgiven of it. And he's very much aware of the forgiveness that he enjoyed. Is it so hard for you to forgive who have been forgiven so much? The third reason he was able to forgive was that he was very much aware of his own failures. This guy's a real fake, a jerk, is Shimei. But David didn't feel like that, you know, he was qualified to judge him because he too was guilty of failure. Let the person today who has never sinned be the one who never forgives. Some practical stuff about, you know, this matter of forgiveness. Number one, cultivate a thick layer of skin. Uh, some, some of us, you know, have had real delicate, you know, real sensitive skin layer. I used to be that, that way a heap lot more than I am now. Um, Vance Havner said that every preacher needs the hide of a rhinoceros and the heart of a child. And then he said, the real challenge is to know how to toughen your hide and yet tender your heart. Some of us need a thick layer of skin. I mean, a lot of this petty stuff that bothers us is, you know, we just need to ignore, right? We're too delicate, too sensitive. It doesn't mean anything. It's no big deal. Try to t ask God to, you know, give you that. That'll be different. Second, try to understand where the offender is coming from. I mean, tell yourself, that little boy inside of that man is lashing out at you. That little kid inside of him. Try to figure out what's, why he's doing that. Sometimes it's because he's just been saving stamps. You know what that is, don't you? You know, I'm offended, so I, I put that in my stamp book. And when Redemption Day comes, you know, so I, you know, I'm offended today and I put that in my stamp book and somebody offends me, you know, a little bit and I put that stamp in my stamp book and, you know, I go home after a few days like that and my wife says, honey, I've been asking you for two or three days to, to change that light bulb, you know, and they, boom, you know, I redeem my stamp book right there. You know, or, or she's been, you know, redeeming, you know, keeping those stamps in her stamp book, you know, and, uh, I, and I might say, well, you know, hey, it's time, you, hurry up, you're always late, bluey, you know, this, it's redemption time. There are some of us who keep those little stamp books and we like to redeem them, you know. Maybe that's what happened to him when he blew his top with you. Try to figure out where it's coming from. I heard a guy say he went down to one of these kind of a diners and he was sitting there and, he's, and his cook was back there and you know, we could see the cook cooking and the manager was just chewing on him and he was just cooking away, you know. Yeah, okay, you know. He was telling him, well, you, you brought back something. You just blew that, you know. And he, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Just, he changed it. And, 
you know, just chewing on him and chewing on him. And, and he sent out a plate and forgot the little parsley leaf or whatever it is. You know, he sent it back and he's, you know, just really worked him over. And the guy said, oh, hey, I'm sorry. I'm, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I, I shouldn't have. And finally the manager said, hey, I want you to forgive me. I'm, I've had a bad day. And the cook said, I know it. You know, I, I could kind of tell. You know, no, he said, uh, no, and he said, I, 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 no big deal. He said, we all have those kinds of days. That's why I'm talking about. There are a lot of people that, you know, that you know, try to understand where they're coming from. You hear what I'm saying? You, you hear what I'm saying? Third, recall the times in your life when you needed forgiveness. There's hardly a person here. Oh, there's one or two of you here that's never had to be forgiven. But there's hardly a person here tonight who has not been guilty of some offense. Number four, verbalize your forgiveness. Say it, don't just think it. Say it with words kind of like this. Hey, let's go on from here. Let's, let's go on from here. One day my phone rang. I answered the phone. There's this guy that, 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 that you know, he did kind of, he was kind of a shimmy-eye, but honestly, he was kind of, a, kind of a shimmy-eye. He really did do an offensive thing to me. He called me on the telephone one day, and I answered, called me long distance. He'd kind of gotten renewed in his heart. And on the phone he said, I've, I, I did a terrible thing and I'm, I'm sorry and I want you to forgive me. And I, you know, my answer, my answer was, that, hey, no problem. That's what I said. I said, hey, no problem. He said, no, that's not enough. He said, I, I know it was a problem and I won't hang up this phone until I hear you say that you forgive me. And I said, hey, I forgive you. I know you're sorry. And I, and I'm, and I, and I accept your apology. He said, that I needed to hear that. I can go on. Stuart Briscoe said that one day a fashionably dressed lady came into his office, sat down, told him a story about her affair with her husband's best friend, and she was broken and discouraged and heartbroken and remorseful and repentant. And she said, I, I want you to tell my husband. I, I can't bear to do it. And she said, I want you to tell him right now. So he got him on the phone, called him on the phone. He said, could you come out of my office? I need you to see you just right away, quick as you can come. He came, he came in. So his wife sitting over there. She was so crushed she couldn't even look at him and the pastor Stuart Briscoe told him what, what was going on to make a gruesome story short at the end of that time he looked at his wife and said I love you let's go on from here let's start all over again And that, my friend, 
is a man or a woman after God's own heart who can say, who can verbalize forgiveness with words like, let's go on from here. I've never pastored a church, but what there are not people in that church who have been hurt by some other people in that church. And they carry those feelings of resentment down the downward plunge to hatred and revenge. In the church, there are people who hate other people, believe it or not, and who live for the day, not when they can get even, who wants to tie, but when they can get one up on somebody that they hate. You got your list? Are you ready to say, forgive me? Are you ready to say, I forgive you? Let's pray together. Father, we are so uh, conscious tonight of the need for forgiveness. And we've grieved you and we've received your love and time after time you've taken us back. You've said to us, son, let's go on from here. Who condemns you? No man, neither do I. Go and sin no more. Lord, help us to have the same kind of love and forgiveness. Help us to deal with the problem at the offense level. Not just to seek forgiveness, but to seek to forgive. Because I know that this is at the heart of what renewal, revival in the church is all about. And now, Father, I pray that you'll take this word you've led me to speak and somehow make it speak an invitation to decision because I ask in Jesus' name. In the spirit of prayer tonight, is there anyone here who would like to receive the greatest forgiveness that can ever come, the forgiveness of sin, to have your sin taken away and placed on someone else? that someone else being Jesus Christ, the Lord. By simply coming in faith and repentance to receive Him and asking God to take your sin and put it on Him, simple enough for a child to understand that in order for our sin to be taken for us, it must be placed somewhere else. And Jesus said, I'll let God place your sin on me. You'll have to ask Him to do that. You'll have to believe that He will. You'll have to claim by faith that He will. Would you do that tonight? Or maybe you need to come tonight to become a forgiver. It's just as much a sin to be offended as it is to offend. Maybe you're offended and you want the grace to forgive. Or maybe you need to come to join the church Whatever God would lead you to do is what you need to do while we stand to sing.